Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. Welcome to an extra special Fight Night podcast from Talk Sport. I'm Adam Catterall. Pleasure to be with you. If it's the first time you've ever come across us, hit the subscribe button so then you never miss out on any of our content. This podcast is all about Tony Bellew. Every single week on our show on Saturday evening on TalkSport, we look back at a fighter's career. Bellew came to join us for a bit of a chinwag about the amateur days moving right up to becoming world champion and then, of course, those big fights against David Ayer and Alexander Usyk. We did talk about SAS and we talked about him being in a Rocky movie as well. It's a belting conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Fighting part of Liverpool, England, Bonnie, Palmer, Push off the back foot, and it's hard to do that. That's his shot for Tony Bellion, and that was a really heavy fall from Hay in the fifth round. No doubt we'll get on uh, to what you're currently up to by the back end of this uh, conversation. We'll talk about, um, obviously, those amazing nights. The one at Goodison against Maccabi and obviously the big ones against uh, David Hay as well. Uh, But let's go right back to the start, man. Let's go right back to the start as a young lad coming through, taking up uh, this art of boxing, putting on the gloves for the first time. Talk to me about getting involved with this sport. When did it all begin for you? Uh, I started off, me, funny enough, kickboxing. And... uh... 
I happened to put a couple of people asleep with punches uh, and got disqualified in the last couple of contests. <laughs> but uh, I got advised to join a boxing club. Uh, I went round, had a look at a couple of clubs and thought, I'm not going to lie, mate, this is too hard. I don't know if I can put up with this. Uh, I just want to be a footballer for Everton. But uh, the fact of the matter was, mate, I wasn't good enough. So uh, I was too fat and too slow and just wasn't good enough for football. So I continued to pursue boxing and... Uh, if I'm not gonna lie, you know the only reason I really stuck at it and was so determined just wants to prove to me how far I could do it. Just wants to prove to me that I could I could make something of myself in the boxing. And that was why I'd done it. But you you listen, you had that dedication from an early period because you've told me on many occasions the actual how many buses were it to the to the gym back then? Were it two, three buses to get to the gym to oh, get to yeah. training? See, at the at the stage when I was getting the buses to return that that's when I knew what was in front of me, I knew I knew how hard it was going to be, and I had a, a clear goal in them stages. But the two buses, the eighty-six up Smith Down Road, and then the twenty-seven all the way from Lodge Lane all the way to uh, to Scotland Road to the Rotunda was a long trip, mate, and it was even longer getting home. But I just had an insane determination, and I found out that I could really do something in the boxing world when I met Jimmy Albertina. That was when yeah. I knew yeah, it was on ABC. Listen. This fella believes in me. He thinks I can do something. And he's made that many champions. If he thinks I can do something, then I must be all right at this game. So I gave everything I got. Uh, I was quite dedicated and diligent. Uh, don't get me wrong. The one thing I didn't like doing was making weight. So while it wasn't too long till I was up at every weight, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but uh, i just done everything they asked me. Uh, Rotunda ABC was, the, was the, definitely the making of me. Now you had a wonderful relationship with Jimmy. You just you just mentioned their weight, right? People yeah. need to people need to hear about your uh, pre-fight meals because before, obviously, you got serious in the professional world of taking your nutrition yeah. very, very serious. You used to uh, fill up on a nice bucket from Kentucky, didn't you? And then you used to oh, make the walk mate. and knock some people out. They were the good old days, mate. We used to go away, <laughs> go away with the team, with the GB squad, and everyone besides me and Price would have to make weight. I, I, even though I had to make 91 kilos, I mean, I could eat what I want and do what I want. Because we were training hard, I used to just, I didn't have to watch what I eat. So when we go to canteens and stuff like that, I would always be going back for second and third plates while other lads would be eating rabbit food. Uh, every single camp I ever went on, I would have a private bag of sweets that I would eat at night and I would take my PlayStation most places with me. Uh, I would kick people's ass on, kick people's backside on Pro Evo and kick people's backside on uh, on FIFA. And I would also enjoy a packet of wine gum or a box of Jaffa cakes or Pringles, whatever I felt like I would have. It would, it would send the other lads who were making weight insane. I used to remember Stephen Smith used to just be killing himself to make weight. Frankie Gavin, James DeGale. Uh, Jaffa used to always be bad. Perko was the worst Neil Perkins. Or if I had Pringles in front of Perko, he'd lose his mind. But I couldn't care less, mate. I was having a great time, to be honest. <laughs> PlayStation and Pringles is great. <laughs> well, boxing be a country all around the world. It's, it's, it's fascinating, Tony, that, you know, obviously you mentioned there, a lot of people don't know that you were a heavyweight as an amateur. But then yeah. for seven years all the way up to Adonis Stevenson, you were killing yourself 
to make yeah. £175 and you're a big, big man. Um, yeah. Did you ever think in that period, what am I doing at light heavyweight, £175? Mm. You're six foot three, you, you make heavyweight easily anyway. Do, when you look back on the career, obviously you won the Commonwealth, you won the British, um, yeah. WBC silver, um, you retained it, um, you fought Stevenson for the WBC, the ring and the lineal light heavyweight titles. Yeah. That, that, that's a massive turning point in your life and your career there in, in, in 2013, November the 30th, wasn't it? It was. It was huge. It was my birthday. That was the first thing. Yeah. Uh, and it was massive because, you know what, it, it took me to get to that stage to really change everything for one last time in my career. So going into that fight, I, th I felt like I was an unbeaten fighter going into that fight. I never, ever thought I'd lost the first fight with Nathan Cleverley, so it wasn't too hard to rebound mm. from that. But after the honesty, Stevenson fight, I'm not going to lie, I was completely heartbroken and finished. Uh, that was the hardest thing I ever had to come back from. It really was. It was, it was just, I genuinely, my hand on heart, thought I was going to Canada and this was me time I was going to be crowned world champion because I just thought, I've waited so long. I've, I've won two final eliminators. I've beat the number one contender in Isaac Chalemba. I've just got to go there. Two terrific performances there, by the way, against him. Oh, because he was the, one of the trickiest, yeah. I think he's the trickiest guy you've ever faced, you know? He was tough. He was, he was really tough. Very, very quick. Probably the quickest fight I ever fought. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was just, he was a nightmare to deal with. But when I beat him in the rematch yeah. so clearly and convincingly, uh, I was happy just to get past him. But what I'll say is, is I'll say going into the Adonis fight, I, I was so determined I was going to become world champion. And I think... Once I'd finally made weight, and I only made weight literally 10 minutes before I got on them scales, it, the relief in my mind was like, all I had to do was make weight, I've won. But then the, the reality hits you smack bang in the face when you get in the ring and you go, I, I haven't been able to get it all back in. And I had two or three good rounds in me at the best. I mean, I was taking a bit of a shellacking, and then I, I think it was the third round where I put him over, and they deemed it was, mm. a, I hit him on the back of the head, but it was a knockdown because he gets his hands raised and the referees making sure he's okay but I was finished by that point then I was absolutely done that's all I had in me it was a hard one as I say coming back from Canada was tough I remember going to bed that night uh, to the, back to the hotel and just crying myself to sleep thinking what am I going to do my career I've got been in this game now I think at that stage I've been in the game 10-12 years amateur and pro and I put everything I had every any idea into into believing myself becoming world champion and I thought is this the end and I thought you know is this the furthest I can come I'd I, I never had my house wasn't paid for I was not saying I was skinned but you know I would have had to go and get a job if I was going to retire if I was going to leave boxing alone then so I came home yeah I spoke to my coach he was a brilliant coach Mick McAllister and he's still a brilliant coach to this day even yeah. uh, and I said to him, I need to adjust a few things. Mick was nearly 60. I just needed someone who can do the physical side with me. Because when I move up in weight, I'm going to be walking around at a minimum of 16 stone. Yeah. And I can't expect Mick to then do the physical things that he was doing with me when I was 12 stone 7. Mm. So we changed things around. I got Dave Caldwell in. Uh, and then I'll be honest with you, I never look back. I'm, I'm, Correct. With all due respect, Dave Caldwell helped take me game to another level. Tom, just before, be, no, I was going to say, before you get to that, and obviously we, we then go on a great run at Cruiserweight, yeah. just before you get to that, and obviously that Adonis Stevenson fight is the, is the 
is the height, I suppose, of, of the light heavyweight division. We spoke in the past that there, there were some times along the way, I know that you've just mentioned money there, right? But there were times yeah. along the way where you're walking to the ring thinking, I need a win tonight, otherwise I'm not going to be able to pay me more yeah. or I'm not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. 100% mate. I, you know what? The mad thing in my career is when I look back, I've faced career-defining fights very early on in my career. So I went in into fights with my career on the land on a number of occasions. And this is what I always talk about with fighters going in to a career-defining fight or your career's on the line at some stage. Now, Anthony Joshua went into that last fight for the first time in his career mm. with his career on the line. It's literally his career's on the line. And I, and I said, it makes a difference to fighters. So I, my career was on the line in the rematch with Oval McKenzie. Yeah. That was the first time I'd experienced it. Because if Oval McKenzie chins me in that rematch, I'm a laughing stock. I've got nowhere to go. So then, uh, my career was on the line then. Again, I would say, my first fight back after the cleverly loss, I fought Danny McIntosh in the Liverpool Echo Arena. I lose against Danny McIntosh after people think I've lost to cleverly, then I'm, I'm finished. There's nowhere for me to go. And he had a punch on him as well, didn't he, McIntosh? He had a punch yeah, he, on him, you know? Former European champion. Yeah. And he knew exactly, you know, what to do, Gareth. He could really punch him from the Ingle stable yeah. as well. They're not soft. Uh, mm. so that was the second career defining fight that I had so my career was all jammed in and I had these massive fights earlier on and as I said it stood me in good stead as my career went on because there's, there's a number of times where if I lose this one and when you go into the ring it's a different kind of pressure it's not the pressure of well I can come back if I lose this one it's it's literally you lose this one it's over the cleverly rematch was the was the was the real one for me where the pressure was on I lose to him in Liverpool in the match, mm. it's over. Do you know what I mean? So, as I say, going to the ring on them occasions was very, very hard. Uh, the only time it was it was anywhere near as tough, and it was purely because of nerves, and on my part, was against the London Macabre, obviously, Goodison Park. Mm. Well, well, I, I want to mention that fight, because that's... It, <laughs> I know we'll come to the two David Hay fights and the Alexander Usyk fight, um, and your SAS appearances, which I'm enjoying very much. <laughs> I wish Eddie Hearn had been there with you, by the way, because um, I've said <laughs> that publicly, because I'd like to see Eddie go through that as well. Um, and <laughs> that that night against Alumba Makabu is my favourite fight of yours, yeah. because just because you you had it at home... It was an amazing balmy night. It was an incredible performance. You got up off your backside and you knocked him down. It was so thrilling. And you came in afterwards at the press conference and said to us, I could never have shown my face here again if I'd lost tonight. And it just brought home the amount of pressure you'd put on yourself to win at home at Goodison Park. Uh, immense. I couldn't put, I can't even put into words when I think back now. It just makes me think, how did I even do it? Uh, the most frightening thing I've ever done in my life. Genuinely, I was actually petrified walking to the ring that night in the fear of just, not the fear of actually him beating me, just the fear of losing this fight in this stadium in front of these people. Uh, that was very, very, very hard, mate. It really was. So it just, I, 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 said, I couldn't put it into words. The, the best night of my whole career. Uh, an unbelievable night. I'm glad you say it's the best night of your career because oh, for me help. it's the best night of your career being around you and following your career because, I mean, the way you did it as well, the third round nothing knockout. Gareth, nothing Gareth comes close. I mean, don't get mm. I have to watch the fight back because I, I still remember getting back to the dressing room and saying to someone, 
tell you what, I didn't half cotton in that second round. He didn't half got like that. <laughs> someone said, someone said, and I, and I was thought, I don't remember speaking to Dave at the end of round two. I still don't to this day. Wow. Uh, wow. The blank spot in your mind that goes, yeah, you'd have certain blank spots in your career. Mm. The only thing I remember from the fight, from my own personal memory without watching it, is getting back the corner at the end of round one. I remember the wind walk. I remember looking at the Galadriel Street and all the phones on the lights went up. Yeah. I remember hearing the roars and the screams. I remember stopping on my ring walk. I remember getting in the ring, looking out, seeing my family or bits and people, bits and bobs, and then having me mind focused on the game plan. I remember the bell going. Me starting absolutely perfectly. I'd studied the Lunga Macabu. I knew he was a slow starter, but I knew if I let him warm into the fight, he's highly dangerous. So, the first round's going great, and then I, I, I get a little bit too, too. What's the word I'm looking for? Giddy, giddy's the word you're looking for, aren't you? <laughs> you know what, they, I, I, what I'll say is, is I'm having a really good first round. I wax uh, yeah. into the body, and he makes the noise that all fighters want to hear the other fighters make <clears throat> as I bit him in the ribs. <laughs> goes in, I goes in for the, for the for another little bite of the cherry. And my chin leg got left in the air as I stepped back out. And boy, did he did he whack my chin and nose. He just whacked me on the button and rolled me back over onto my back. And I remember going, and the thing that I remember the most is when he hit me, the noise I heard, it's like all the screaming stopped. And I just heard the noise. <sighs> and that's yeah. the best way I can explain it. I, I heard that noise myself. Hmm. And then the worst thing that you need that happened for you at that moment in time is to get a, a high-pitched Sheffield Yorkshire man in your face. Leave <laughs> <laughs> to me. You got greedy. You got yeah. greedy. You got greedy. <laughs> does, Brilliant. Son, does, oh. does that victory now, are you getting more credit for that victory now with what Makabu's gone on to do? Because people might, at the time, yes. I mean, he was a killer. Yeah. He was knocking dudes out for fun. I think he had 18 knockouts in 19 fights yeah, at the time. He did, mate. 19 fights, one loss, uh, 18 knockouts, and, and I think... 16 or 15 of them in the first three rounds. Yeah. Killing me. He's and now he's gone on to be world champion himself, you know what I mean? Off the back of yeah. that defeat, because that was a brutal knockout. You, 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 you know, you knocked him out properly that night. Yeah, I rendered him unconscious me for, for a fair bit. Uh, I'm not bothered if, if I do or don't get the credit, mate, honest to God. I don't really care. I mean, I think I am getting it now, but mm. I still remember the phone call of, of Eddie Ayn. Uh, before that, I just, before that fight, I defeated Matthias Masternach in a year. Yeah. Title fight. In an absolute war of a fight, uh, I made it hard. I was winning quite easy for nine rounds and then switched off for the last three and then had to put in a hell of a display for the last round. Uh, now, after that fight, Eddie Ayn and Barry Ayn come to me just and promised me your next fight will be for a world title. I got a call in the January or February, I think it was, uh, not long after Creed had come out. Yeah. I said to me, Tone, uh, we've, got you, we've got you a shot. And I said, okie doke, what's the dance? He said, the WBA regular title fight in Las Vegas against Baby Shumanov. And my response to him was, listen, mate. I said, I'd rather fight for the belt out of Massillon. I said, don't come to me with the <laughs> WBA, anything unless it's for a full WBA title. And he went, Tone, come on. And I said, you said you'd get me a world title fight. Just get me the world title fight. I went back to the gym. Uh, stayed in the gym and then the, the phone call came and the phone call coming in is exactly how it went down he went I've got good news I've got bad news I said go on let's hear the good news first. I've got I've got you a WBC world title shot 
I didn't even let him get to the bad news. I said to him, there can't be any bad news. I said, the only thing is, what's happened with Gregory Dross? Because Gregory Dross was yeah. WBC champion. He says to me, right, here's the bad news. He said, Gregory Dross is out. He said he's got an injury for two years. No boxer in the history of boxing ever had an injury for two years. <laughs> People will make it that what he wants. Uh, he was in, he was out. He was injured for two years. Okay, so I said, well, what's the dance? He said, you have to face the number one contender who's been waiting for 18 months for this shot. And I said, go on. And, and I was hoping he wasn't going to say this name. And then he just said it. Now, no, he didn't know who he was. I knew exactly who he was. And he said, you've got to face a fella called Alunga Macabu. Do you know him? And I said, out of all the people, <laughs> I said, do I have to face him? And he said, no. I said, Ed, he's a carbon copy of Adonis Stevenson. I said, I don't want to go anywhere near him, mate. They, um, he's, a, he's a tiny southpaw who can just whack. And uh, he only needs one opportunity. He can take my chin off. And I said, some of the WBC have said, under no circumstances can it be anybody else. It's got to be him. He's waited for his shot. So my next thing <laughs> can we get Goodison? And, and he said, well, that's up to you. I called the chairman immediately. And then I'm not messing with it. We had eight weeks to try and schedule a WBC world title fight at a place where the boxing had never happened before at Goodison Park. Yeah, but, but the momentum you then had in the BJ Flores fight, which I will will always tickle me, because between rounds, you and your wife were calling out <laughs> David Hay. Between rounds, if you recall. In fact, while you were beating BJ Flores up in a corner, you were calling out David Hay. Do you remember who's doing commentary? Yeah. Mate, you know what? That is the only, I'm going to tell you the truth. That is the only time I've ever gone into a fight with an agenda. So I, I wanted to face Demetrio Kucha to get revenge for my good mate Enzo Machinelli. Eddie Ayn said, don't be daft. We're going to face BJ Flores. I'm, I couldn't stand BJ Flores, by the way. He'd been following me around for all my career, even for the Cleverly fights, even turned up with the Cree Premier. I mean... I want to swear, but I can't because I'm on national radio. But mate, <laughs> not leave me alone. And uh, he annoyed me massively. So I said to Eddie, well, I'll give you this. I said, but I'll only fight BJ Flores for one reason and one reason only. He went, go on. I said, you make sure David A is commentating ringside. And he went, why would you possibly want David A to be ringside? And I said, don't worry about that. Just make sure he's ringside. <laughs> he filled this part. And then, mate, I, I'm not... I, I don't know what I was thinking I was going to do. And as I shown, I showed me two colours on the night because what I planned on calling them, I labelled them up to this point. The banters have been going back and forth. I'd labelled them the Bermondsey bitch. Yeah. So <laughs> when the microphone got on to me after I'd slapped the living daylights out of BJ Flodders, which I took great pleasure in, uh, my first response was, now I was supposed to call him Sideshow Bob. But yes. For some reason, unbeknownst to myself, still to this day, I do not know. I called him SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> I, what has SpongeBob SquarePants got to I've got my hands over my eyes while I'm talking into the phone now. What has SpongeBob SquarePants got to do with I have no idea. I must have seen it when the kids had the telly on that week. I so must have done. But this day, I was meant to call him Sideshow Bob. And I just, guys, I, that's one of the, these are the things that, I suppose that's why people like me on TV, because I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth sometimes. <laughs> Never mind the producers and other people behind the camera. So, 
that was just my story all over. So as I, 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 I needed to make everyone want him to see either me beat him up or him beat me up. He was um, he was facing nobodies on the channel, Dave. And listen, there's nothing wrong with Dave. I love Dave because I tune into Dave to watch Bullseye, you know, once a week. He was on Dave and I was on Sky Sports. And, and at that stage in my career, you have to understand, I wish I could have retired after Goodison Park. But yeah. I genuinely wish I could. But financially, I was as far away from security as I'd ever been. Goodison Park was Goodison Park was a financial failure. It, it might have been the greatest night in my whole career by a mile, mm-hmm. and it might have been one of Eddie's most favourite moments in the whole sport. But financially, it didn't work for us. Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever have you, the rig out, the security, the police cost, the ground cost, the, the amount, of, the percentage, the club took, all that kind of stuff. It didn't work. So financially, now. As I said to me, Mrs. on the Monday after that great bank holiday Sunday victory over Macabre, and, and after what I said, I promise you, from now on, my career will purely be about one thing and one thing only. It'll be about money, and I'll maximise the financial gain. And David Hay had a pound sign on his forehead, like the fellow out of Red Dwarf had a H on his forehead. <laughs> and that's what he was to me. Uh, and I just I went for it all, all in one, and I needed people to want to see it. So that's why I made a holy show and called them what I called them live on Sky Sports after defending the beautiful WBC world title. It couldn't but have those two better, fights because you got two. Yeah, yeah you got two yeah. of them. Yeah, but th- those two fights put you in the stratosphere financially as well as right. being a public sports figure as well, didn't they? And because I on the first fight, by the way, I wasn't there, Tony, and I was hosting Floyd Mayweather. On the night, I was already booked to host Floyd Mayweather in Birmingham that night, and the fight was being shown on a big screen in front of 500 people at dinner. Wow! And I remember Floyd Mayweather's uh, PR team screaming and shouting because his walkout was delayed because 500 people in there could not stop watching that first fight with David A. They didn't want <laughs> Floyd Mayweather; they wanted to watch the end of your fight with David, and it was wow. so thrilling. So thrilling. You oh, held up Mayweather, my friend, you know? Wow, <laughs> unbelievable. You know what, mate? It's crazy when I look back through my career, the amount of money that was at stake that night, what I earned to face David on that first night, uh, resulted in my career five times over. Mm. My whole career combined, times five, wow. one night that I made in that one night. So that's why I'm always appreciative to David. Don't get me wrong, I repaid the favour in the rematch. I gave him the rematch when I never had to. Uh, and then I had the salt and pepper on my side of the table for the uh, for the negotiation at that time, believe you me. But I'm always still grateful for him picking me that first time because that, was, that allowed me that first fight to then financially secure my family. And that was the most important thing that came before titles, that came before money. That, Financially securing the family from getting punched in the face was the most important thing uh, for me boxing career. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. talk about what's uh, what's happening next for you now that you're uh, a soldier and what have you uh, but be, before we get there let's talk uh, let's talk about this heavyweight division because I know you've got opinions on it you've been in with Alexander yeah. Usyk at the time he's now stepped up to heavyweight first of all how good is he and is he uh, uh, as big as a threat as a lot of people would imagine him to be to the likes of AJ and Tyson Fury first off he's exceptional best fighter I ever faced without a shadow of a doubt uh, just the Light of hand and foot is just phenomenal. Brilliant, brilliant fighter. Uh, and a great fella as well, by the way. Mm. Secondly, uh, do I think he's the genuine threat to the heavyweight division? Absolutely, yes. That's the first thing. But do I think can he beat the big, big boys? I, I, I just don't think he can, mate. That's the only worry is the big, big Completely boys. Completely agree. The, the Tyson Fiori's in the Don't get me wrong, the Tyson Fiori's in the AJ's maybe just the, the too big, mate. They're too big and dangerous. And he yeah. will catch up with you in the end. But anyone around his size and frame, trust me, mate, he's a, he's a, he's a tough puzzle to solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping me man Delboy can switch his lights off. Uh, I really do like him. Mm-hmm. But Del's like a big brother to me and I love him to bits, mate. So I'm hoping that he cops him with that big right hand. I really am. But believe you me, mate, you're going to be behind when you catch him because he's just what is- an enigma. Yeah, what a shame that Usyk fight wasn't a six-round fight, Tony, because you'd have come away with a victory. That's a shame. Because it was what? one of the best boxing performances of your career, that, believe it or not, wasn't it? You know? Yeah, do you know what, mate? It was, uh, everyone says that to me. They see me, oh, well, you was beating them. I was beating them at the end of round seven. Yes, or maybe I was, but do you know what? It wasn't a seven or an eight-round fight. Uh, mm. Once again, these black spots come into your career. Uh, the last thing I remember of that fight is getting to the end of round seven and, and little legs getting in front of me again. Uh, <laughs> that high-pitched Sheffield voice. 
He says, me Tom, are you tired? And I absolutely beep, exhausted. And, he goes, and, and in, in an ideal world, he should have had that's enough for you. Father Tom waits for no one, and Dave knew that you could never throw towels with someone like me. Because yeah. I'd probably lost my bag in the ring. I'd have gone like a lunatic, but it was, would have been the right thing to do. But I'm happy I went out on my shield the way I did. Yes, I was winning after seven rounds going into round eight, but unfortunately for me, this wasn't a seven-round fight. It was a 12-round fight, and I was going up against it. And a phenomenal fight. It was, I, was I just completely exhausted and gassed out? Yes, I was. Why was I exhausted and gassed out? Because of the things he was doing. That's why I was gassed out, so... No excuses, you know. I just, I'm. It's much. I felt much better after the fight because I, I don't mind losing to someone who's just genuinely better than me, guys. Yeah. I can have that. Like I said, the Adonis Stevenson one hurt so much because I didn't actually think he was better than me. It's just that mm-hmm. I completely dead with the weight. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Making cruise weight the last time was very, very hard. You know, I've done a twelve week diet. Not one fizzy drink. Not one piece of bread. Not one. No dairy food in my diet. Everything was so strict and strategic the way I made way for the Usyk fight. It's the first time I ever had abs making crew. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because I chose to get married in the July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, was that, was that bef- when your wife also said to you, your beautiful wife also said yeah, to you that, that's it, no um, that if you fight again, it's divorce? <laughs> yeah. I, don't, uh, I made the promise to the mate that, you know, I'd stop. Uh, and I'm not joke and I feel like going back on that promise at least twice a day every day <laughs> yeah. wow wow come on come on Tom we've got to talk about you in the SAS I it's painful watching you in it because I'd like you to have been in it when you were just when you just fought you sick when you had the abs because I feel your pain every Monday when I watch it I feel your pain why did you put yourself through it do you know what mate I don't watch you that's the first thing, just to let you know. I haven't seen any of it so far. All my memories of the show are in my head. Uh, why did I do it? I wanted something to focus on. I was playing on a charity match on Goodison Park uh, for my for me, uh, me betting sponsor, Sport Pesa. I was playing a charity match and I snapped my ligaments in my ankle when I was playing football for them after five minutes into the game. By the way, Leon Osmond was the manager. It was the best five-minute display you've ever seen any player do until I... <laughs> I, was, I, was I was man of the match and only played five minutes. So I snapped the ligaments in the ankle uh, and I thought, this, I'd already agreed to do this SAS thing. I just thought, I'm not going to lie, this is going to be not that not that tough, not that bad. I've clipped wow. it over the years uh, and I thought, okay, let's give it a go. And then that helped me, give me something to focus on. Because I'd say, when you're 36 years old and you've, you've, you've achieved everything you want to achieve in your life yeah. when it comes to a professional perspective, then I, I'm not, I just didn't genuinely know what to do next. And, and you lose focus on things and they needed something to focus on. Yeah. Uh, and that, that gave me it. So that was the part why, why I'd done it. Uh, and I've also always admired high-level military guys. You know, I admire everyone in the military as I do on our front line right now, the great NHS people, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. something about the, the top-end military level boys, the MSS boys, that, that is intriguing to me. I'd read books on them, I'd listened to audio books, I, I knew what Middleton was. Uh, I admired them. I admired them and I'm in awe of them from afar. They, they make the real-life superheroes, in my opinion. If you read Ollie Ollerton's book, what he done when he left the SBS is just unbelievable. This guy was trying to save... 
children in Thailand and paedophile things. He was literally going over there with a team and getting them out of harm's way. That That is a proper superhero, in my opinion. Yeah. So I thought I'll give it a go, kind of stick with it. Uh, what a stupid boy I am. <laughs> you nearly slapped Middleton in the last episode. I was a bit. Con- I was like, "Oh no, please! I don't want to see a full-on scrap here." You know, give it time. Give it time. You know, you, know, you don't know what's around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, don't, no! Listen, don't give anything away because people are really enjoying it. Did you enjoy it? And did you get out of it what you wanted to get out of it? I got more than what I expected out of it. Uh, just give me a different look on things and a different perspective. Everyone has problems. Everyone has things going on in their lives that people don't see or understand. Uh, and it, it definitely helped me in some aspects, yes. Uh, did it as, you know, I'm not going to sit here and lie. Did it, am, I, am I a different person now? Absolutely not, no. But it just made me realise and open up a few things that in my life that was happening. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I'm very happy and fortunate that I came across the man Middleton. Is a is an amazing person, mate. He really is the most positive person I know, and he's just. They really had massive um, respect for you. You could feel that all the way along, though, as well, because they 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 respected you as a fighter, and they they wanted you to do well. Is what I'm seeing. They really wanted you to do well. You it, know? it didn't feel like that, mate. Believe you. <laughs> Six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you get, you get. How many days, Tone? How many days do they keep you there in that place? Is it like over two weeks or something? How long is the it, period? It, it, uh, you'll have to keep watching, but it's around that kind of period. But let's just wow. yeah, over ten days, uh, over eight, nine, ten days. I never slept more than thirty hours. Wow! wow. The longest I ever slept in one sitting was four hours. Jesus. <laughs> And then you've got to go and do the task the day after as well. Listen, before we let you go, um, obviously we're, lo- we're loving that on Monday nights. Any more plans for any movies, yeah, mate, now good. that you're a big uh, Hollywood superstar? Are we, are we getting back oh. into that? <laughs> Just because you do something once, it doesn't mean that's what you're at. I like to sing once a week as well. But listen, you never know. I'd love to do a few of the little bits and bobs. Uh, listen, if the James Bond rolls up for grabs, I'll definitely yeah. go with that. That's it, man. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I loved doing Creed. Uh, I really did. It was an amazing thing that I look back on uh, with fond memories. And mate, I'm a kid from Liverpool, and I've been in a Rocky movie. I mean, I just it doesn't it's mad when I say that. So you know, it's just crazy. Uh, I, I love doing it, and, and according to to the people high up in that world. Uh, I'm very good at doing it as well. Sly's gone on record a number of times to say yeah. I'm just an absolute natural. Erwin uh, Winkler has come on to me and said numerous times, you know, you should be out here living in Hollywood doing this and that. And I suppose if I'd have done it right after the movie, I could have bounced straight into roles and been that kind of life. But you've got to remember, guys, I was still chasing the dream of becoming a world champion then. So mm-hmm. and that work didn't appeal to me whatsoever. I was so focused and driven on becoming a world champion. But I've done that now. So uh, movie roles, I'm game. Would you know? Just have to show me, show me what's up. I thought you were going to do this, Rod Tidwell. There, show me the money. That's what I thought you were going to do. Are you better at acting, or are you better at golf? Which which, which are you better at? Oh mate, Jesus Christ, I'm no good at golf. <laughs> absolutely. All the gear, no idea. This lad, is he? Oh, mate, I'll tell you something. You want to see me golf bag and me clubs? That absolutely tremendous. I've got tailor made, fitted, perfect. Every time I go out to the driving range, I come back with a different golf outfit, and she looks. 
come back. <laughs> I don't bother putting that on anywhere near me. It disgusts me, that stuff. But I look at the names on the bag, the Everton bag, the Taylor May bag. Yeah. My gear just looks fantastic. And then I yeah. get the tee off. And then, like, do you know what the worst thing is? I play with good players. So Alan Stubbs, Leon Osman, Ibo, they're all good players. And no one laughs at me when I scuff bad shots. But they <laughs> <laughs> And when, like, you know, you, you know when you go to a course, like a, cha- a golf charity day, there's usually yeah. a large crowd that gets around that first tee, and everyone just wants to just get one good tee off, and you don't even care about how the 18 holes go, as long as you tee yeah. off on that first tee off well. Well, I'm 50-50. On 50% that I do tee off well for a good bang driver, but the other 50%, it, it's funny because I hear <laughs> under people. I hear <laughs> And the minutes are turned round, mate. Everyone's just looking up at the sky or looking at the <laughs> There you go. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Don't forget, every single week we look back at a fighter's career and we'll be doing the exact same thing next Saturday night live on TalkSport. If you can't join us, make sure you hit the subscribe button on the podcast therefore you never miss out on any of those conversations. I'll catch you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.